are right in the middle of this uh, emphasis on prayer. Hopefully, um, I hope that you are rejuvenating your prayer life, that, uh, that you're building some new habits perhaps over these few weeks. Uh, we've already been reminded in these, these series of a lot of different things about prayer. We've seen what prayer is not as well as what prayer is. We've emphasized both spontaneous and scheduled prayer in our lives. We've talked about fasting and its benefits for our prayer lives. And then somebody brought donuts this morning. I'm not sure, quite sure how that all, how that all fits, but uh, thank you for the donuts anyway. I'm just kidding. Uh, we've, we've seen that, uh, that prayer is a, is a whole lot more about uh, connecting with God than just getting what I want, right? And, and today, Today I want to look at how prayer plays a role in supernatural things, uh, what's been referred to in the church as spiritual warfare. Now I, I say those words and uh, immediately you go, you know, this is kind of weird, maybe it's kind of out there, not really sure what we're, uh, what we're talking about, except that I think more and more we're, we're more in tune or people in general are more open to supernatural kind of conversations. I, I trace it back to, uh, the Marvel Cinematic Universe, I think, because there's so many, uh, so many of these, uh, fantasy type of, uh, movies and shows and things these days that, that we just, uh, we start to, I don't know, the lines kind of get blurred, right? And, uh, so whether it's Iron Man or Captain America or Ant-Man or, or, uh, Doctor Strange or Thor, the Incredible Hulk, these, these characters defy natural, the natural order of things and they, they fight battles and they wage wars that, 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 seem to have more significance than people are aware of. People don't really know what they're, you know, we see the movie and they're all doing all this stuff and the people are just kind of clueless and pop, popping along. Uh, they're, they're doing all these work, all this work behind the scenes to fight the, fight the enemies, right? And the aliens and whoever's coming in the supernatural realm, so to speak. And then, but that makes a huge difference to the natural world. They, they save the day. And most of the population didn't even know anything was going on, right? So what was happening in the, in the supernatural, so to speak, in these movies affects, uh, everyday life and they didn't even know it. People's interests can, can, uh, in that kind of thing can show an openness to the supernatural, but in the end, it's just chalked up to the stuff of movies and myths and fairy tales and all those things, right? It's kind of like, uh, the, the two six-year-olds who are walking home from Sunday school arguing about the Sunday school lesson that day. And one boy said, oh, there isn't any devil. And the other boy was kind of upset about that. And he said, well, what do you mean there isn't any devil? The, the teacher said that it talks about him all the way through the Bible. And the first kid replied, well, well, that's not really true. It's kind of like Santa. You think he's real for a while, but then the devil just turns out to be your dad. Just kidding. No. Supernatural things are not... Myths and fairy tales, as, as John, Wesley, John Wesley said, things eternal are much more considerable than things temporal, and things not seen are as certain as the things that are seen. The Apostle Paul uh, said uh, much the same thing in 2 Corinthians 4.18, we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary but what is unseen is eternal. Things of, of God and Satan, angels and demons, heaven and hell are talked about in scripture from cover to cover. They're supernatural, spiritual things. 
I want to illustrate it with just one story today. I want to tell, tell it to you. I'm not going to read it to you. It's in the Old Testament. I think, I think it's probably my favorite Old Testament story. And it's not one of those that you think about uh, necessarily. You think about the, you know, the big ones of King David and David and Goliath or, you know, some of these things that you hear about all the time. I, I don't know whether there's a flannel graph for this uh, or, or if anybody's uh, uh, read about it. But I, I, I love this story. And it, it, back in the days of, of the prophets and the kings... There was a man of God named Elisha. He was a prophet. He performed miracles. Uh, there's uh, all sorts of things that Elisha did. He healed people. Uh, he made food expand. Along. They were almost out of food, but they, it just kept coming and coming until, uh, until uh, the, the, uh, uh, they could get more. And, and, uh, and, and there was a, a kind of a weird story about an axe head that fell in the river and he made it float so they could find it uh, and get their work. To, uh, even raised the boy from the dead. Elisha was, was doing amazing supernatural things. And in 2 Kings chapter 6, we find this, this story where Elisha is advising the kings of Israel, the king of Israel, and he's helping out because this, this army keeps coming and attacking different places. Uh, the, the Arameans, the, 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 the uh, king of Aram and his army would make plans to attack Israel and, and come in and, and uh, do some, do some uh, damage. And, but Elisha started uh, getting words from God to, say, to, to tell him where the army was going to attack next. And so Elisha would, would tell the Israelite king, hey, they're going to be over there. And uh, so then the, the Israelites would go and encounter them and stop them. And it happened several times like that, so much that the Aramean king thought they had a mole in their midst, right? There was, was uh, a spy that was telling the, but it was really just Elisha, uh, God giving word to Elisha and Elisha telling the army. After a little investigation, the Arameans found out that's exactly what was happening. And so, so the king of Aram said, we need to take out Elisha. And they found him in this, uh, this little city, uh, city of Dothan. Uh, Elisha was, was there staying in a, in a house in Dothan. And the Aramean army knew about it. And so they snuck in and surrounded the city at night. It says horses and chariots and a strong force of soldiers had Elisha trapped. I mean, he, he wasn't going to get out of this one. This was, this was, this was a big deal. So the invading army is surrounding him where he's staying. Uh, they, they waited until morning. And as the sun rose, Elisha's servant got up and, and went outside. That's what you did first thing in the morning because they didn't have indoor plumbing, right? So you get up first thing in the morning and you go outside to uh, find the outhouse. And I could just see him walking lazily out there toward his destination. And about halfway, he realizes that he's not alone. And he starts to see that there are horses and chariots and soldiers all around him. And I'm wondering, I'm reading into this, I'm wondering if maybe he didn't need to go to the outhouse after seeing all of that. Uh, so he, he sees this vast army around him and, and he sees this desperate situation that they're in. And, and he goes back to tell Elisha, and, uh, hey, Hey, you need to get out here. Scripture says, he says it this way. Oh no, my Lord, what shall we do? He's freaking out, right? They finally got us. And here's where it good, gets good. Again, in my mind's eye, maybe I'm reading into it, but I see Elisha kind of leaning on the, on, in the doorway, maybe feet crossed, maybe his coffee. I don't know if they were drinking coffee back. Just kind of smirking a little bit. Uh, you get the impression that he's been up for a while, Right? Uh, that, that, uh, that he already knew what was going on. Maybe he takes a long, slow drink as his, as his servant is freaking out. And then he says these words, Don't be afraid. Those who are with us 
are more than those who are with them. Very cool, except that that servant looked at himself and looked at Elisha. One, two. Then he looked up around him and he saw, he couldn't even count how many soldiers and horses and chariots and uh, everybody that was surrounding him. And he probably thought that his master had finally lost his mind. Uh, but uh, certainly, uh, Elisha saw the doubt and fear in, in the eyes of his servant. And, and so he prayed again, maybe with a little smirk on his face. And he said, open his eyes, Lord, so that he may see. And in verse 17 of 2 Kings 6, we see this. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he looked and saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. I mean, maybe there's a movie about this. I think it beats anything coming out of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Heaven's army surrounding the Aramean army that's surrounding the man of God. Uh, God gave that servant a glimpse of something that not too many people get to see, but we always need to be aware of that it's true, that there are things happening in the supernatural realm that are definitely going to impact what's happening in the physical world. The Apostle Paul talks about in Ephesians chapter 6, and so we're, we're going to use that as our text this morning, Ephesians 6, 10 through 18. It's the passage on, on the, uh, the armor of God, but we're going we're gonna to look at, at all of it today. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you'll be able to stand your ground. And after that, you have done everything to stand. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist and the breastplate of righteousness in place. And with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword, and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against supernatural forces, Paul says here. Spiritual forces of evil in heavenly realms. And, and, and I'm not making it up. I'm, I'm not crazy. We're not out there. This is just truth from Scripture. And this is one main place where the Bible talks about this. The, the, the number one way that, that, that Paul says that we can confront the enemy these supernatural forces, the one way, the number one way that we can confront them, uh, that we can win those battles, is to pray. He mentions it last there. So in the last couple of verses, he talks about praying several different times in several different ways. But, but he mentions it last, and a lot of scholars believe he mentions it last, kind of for emphasis, that really it's most important, so he's saving the best for last. Uh, it, it, Prayer is, prayer is, is most important in these, uh, supernatural encounters, in this spiritual warfare that we're, that we're all in, whether we know it or not. Prayer is about connecting with God, right? We've, we've, uh, held that, uh, uh, all the way along. And so, like Elisha, if I'm close to God, if I'm connected with Him, if I'm seeing as He sees, 
then no enemy can prevail against me. We need to talk about our enemy for a minute. He's mentioned twice in this passage in Ephesians. He, uh, Paul mentions the devil and the evil one. And the devil and the evil one has schemes and flaming arrows directing at, directed at us. We need to realize that the devil is real and he is on the attack against God and his children. But we don't want to get so... C.S. Lewis, I, I just... He's, he's got a great little book uh, called The Screwtape Letters, and it's kind of a tongue-in-cheek, whatever, uh, backwards kind of book where he's, he's writing it from the perspective of a, of a demon in training. And anyway, check, check out The Screwtape Letters, but he says at the beginning of that, in the, uh, in the preface to it, he says, there are two equal and opposite errors into which our race can fall about the devils. One is to disbelieve in their existence the other is to believe and to feel an excessive and unhealthy interest in them. So we need to fall in the middle somewhere, right? We can't just say, oh, this doesn't exist, but we can't just be so uh, focused on that that we miss out on living life in the middle. We need to recognize that there is a devil, that these supernatural things are real, but we, we don't have to be obsessed with all of that. The Bible talks about Satan and the devil many times. He's, he's not just a, a feeling or an evil essence inside of us or the dark side of the universe. Uh, there, there, is a, there is a real evil one. And if you're following Jesus, you need to know that he is against you. He's described as our opponent, an accuser, an attacker. He's depicted as a, as a serpent in the first book of the Bible and as a dragon in the last. He, he, he deceives and he steals and he lies and he destroys. Peter described him as a roaring, roaring lion looking for someone to devour. But before you let that scare you, remember the story of Elisha. Those who are with you are more than those who are with him. That's important because many times we, we give the devil too much credit, I think. Cer certainly we need to be mindful of him, we need to be aware, but God is on our side. <laughs> uh, he has already defeated death and the devil. We don't have to cower in a corner hoping that the devil doesn't get us. Boy, I hope he, he doesn't see me over here. We are on the side of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. We are on offense. I don't know if you noticed the, and we're not going to go through all those pieces of armor today and, and all that stuff. That's a, you know, that's a, a summer sermon series, right? We could get into all the, all the nooks and crannies of all that. I want you to notice today that the, in all of those pieces of armor mentioned in Ephesians 6, there is nothing covering your back. Do you know why? We're not retreating. We're not running away. We are advancing against the enemy. We're advancing against the devil and his schemes. And as we advance, we need to be aware of his tactics. What are these schemes, these flaming arrows that the devil uses? Well, there are a few things there, and you can jot them down if you want to. First of all, the devil deceives. Uh, Jesus describes the devil as a liar. John eight forty four says he is the father of lies. He lies about a lot of things. He lies about who God is. He'll tell you, and even is even started in the in the Garden of Eden. He'll tell say, "Oh yeah, God's not good. He doesn't care about you. Uh, he isn't aware. He isn't able to help. You can't really trust him." Uh, he'll lie to us about who God is. He'll lie to us about who we are. Right? He'll lie to us about about that you're, you're not loved. That that you're not important. That you're you're he'll. If, if you're uh, not following Jesus, the devil will, uh, will convince that person, well, I'm, not, I, I'm okay, I don't need Jesus. And, and if you are following Jesus, then he'll try to bring doubts and accusations and uh, you screwed up there and, and bring shame 
Uh, he lies about who we are. He, he also lies about what's good and what's bad. He twists it all up. So, so, so up is down and down is up and, and good is bad and bad is good and, and it creates confusion, right? And so he brings temptation and, and, uh, and oh, come on, it's no big deal. And, and he lies about what is good and what is bad. The devil deceives. The devil also distracts. Author Anne Lamott once said, if the devil can't make you sin, he'll make you busy. You're probably not busy. You probably don't have a whole lot going on, right? Uh, no, the, the devil does so much to distract us from God and his work. And so we have to be vigilant to fight against that busyness. We have to intentionally spend time in, in as we talked about last week, scheduled and spontaneous prayer, refocusing our tension, attention on God and off of the distractions. Hey, devil won't always uh, try to uh, use crazy, awful sins to get us. He knows that that won't necessarily tempt us. But, but he could use something that's good in order to distract us from what's best. The devil wants to distract us, to keep us away from doing what God desires us to do. Don't get distracted. The devil deceives, the devil distracts, the devil discourages. Uh, he's trying to steal your joy. One big way he does that is, is, is in your thought life. He, he keeps bringing up past failures, maybe. Uh, judging you, condemning you, bringing shame. You, you don't have to give in to that. 2 Corinthians 10.5 says that we can take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ, not to constantly live in these negative thoughts. The best way to change your thoughts uh, is to replace unhealthy, untrue thoughts with healthy and true ones. Like if you have a song stuck in your head, you don't just think about how much you don't want that song stuck in your head, right? The best way to get that song out of your head is to think of a new song, right? Well, we need to think of uh, the, the, the God's thoughts and not uh, succumb to the devil's thoughts that are dragging us down. If the devil is trying to steal your joy, remind him that the joy of the Lord is your strength. The devil, the devil discourages. He also divides. The devil is, is against Unity, which is one of the primary things that Jesus uh, promoted for us. Uh, he prayed that, that we would be one, that we would remain connected deeply with him and also with each other. But the devil uh, majors on division. He divides us from God. He divides husbands from wives, parents from children, friends from each other. He, he brings the division into churches. Uh, so we have to be aware that the devil is always trying to bring division. We have to be aware of what these schemes are so that we can, so that we can fight against. The, 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 his schemes include the fact that he deceives and he distracts and he discourages and he divides. And so we need a strategy, right? What, what are we going to do? Well, we've got all those, uh, all, all those weapons that, uh, that, that Ephesians 6 lays out. But uh, I, think, I, I think prayer has to be at the top of that list, right? In several different ways, Paul tells us that we need to pray in that passage. First of all, we need to pray specifically. Not pacifically, that's an ocean out west. Specifically. Uh, it, it, Paul mentions that very, some very specific details that the Ephesians need to pray for, and, and we need to get more specific, I think, in our prayers. I, I know I do. I, I, I get in the habit many times of praying generally. I mean, it's easier that way. I, I think... 
whether consciously or not, I think we, we uh, pray generally because we don't want to put God on the spot. We don't want to put ourselves on the spot. We don't want to look bad because what if, what if what we're praying for doesn't happen then? But so it, maybe it's just easier to just, just, uh, you know, pray those kind of blanket pray. Bless them, Jesus, right? Or be with her in a special way. I, I, I haven't heard that one in a long time, but I've, I've, uh, I, I, I heard it for a long time. Uh, we talk about uh, traveling mercies. We talk about, I don't know, they, 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 all these general kind of things. But what if we prayed specifically, more specifically, for things like healing, uh, for broken relationships to be restored, for specific people coming to salvation? I mean, there's, I think there's power in that. It's not a powerful testimony if someone says, you know, uh, they, they prayed for, for God to be with me in a special way. And I think he might have been. Boy, I'm, I'm enthused by that prayer, right? I'm really, that's a great testament. No, I mean, okay, what, but what if we, pr- we hear, you know, that church, the people, those people, my friend, they prayed for me to turn from my sins and come to Jesus and they didn't stop and they kept taking that to, to the throne and, and, and I couldn't shake it and, 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 and I came to this point and it all happened this way and they give the testimony and, and we, whoa, we get excited about that, right? Because we're specific, we're praying specifically and when God comes through, we celebrate who he is and what he's done. Paul tells us we need to pray specifically. We also need to pray in the spirit, it says. Uh, we, we have to align ourselves uh, with, with God and his will. If we're praying in the spirit, then we're praying for what God wants uh, in, in every circumstance. If we're staying connected to God, we're allowing his spirit to direct our prayer. Then we're not just praying for our own selfish desires, but we're praying for what God desires. We're praying in the spirit. Paul even says in Romans that when we don't know what to pray for, the Spirit, the Spirit prays for us, right? Uh, with, with groanings that cannot be uttered. We, we, we pray in the Spirit, Paul says. He also says that we need to pray constantly. He says on all occasions. Uh, that's, that's a little bit like we talked about last week, praying spontaneously, right? We're just ready to pray at, ev- at any point. Anything comes up, uh, prayer is one of the first things, the first thing that we do. We, we need to stay connected with God and pray constantly. He also says we need to pray creatively. He says with all kinds of prayers and requests. Little prayers, long prayers, short prayers, silent prayers, loud prayers, asking for things, praising him for things, thanking him for things, confessing things. It's just like any other relationship, right? We're we're doing whatever it takes to stay connected with God. Our number one resource in spiritual battles that we face is our relationship with God and prayer connects us with him. And so we need to pray. Another part of our strategy in spiritual warfare is, is to be prepared, right? We need to prepare ourselves. Preparation is, is a key in any battle and, and knowing that you have an enemy and, and knowing where and how he attacks helps you to fight against him. First Peter 5, 8 and 9, be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith. Ephesians 6, 18, be alert and always keep on praying. Of course, that that whole passage in Ephesians 6, put on the armor. and, And the armor is made up of things like truth to combat the devil's lies and righteousness to combat the temptation to sin and and peace to combat anxiety and fear and and faith to combat the doubts that we might have and salvation to draw us near to God in relationship with him. We need to prepare ourselves knowing if we know that there's a battle and there's an enemy and we're going to face him, then we need to be prepared. We need to be alert and we need to allow 
God to develop those things in our lives. Preparation is key. And then we need to resist. James 4, 7, submit yourselves then to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Uh, again, 1 Peter 5, 8 says, resist him standing firm in the faith. The last piece of armor mentioned there in, in Ephesians 6 is the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Scripture is, uh, is an offensive weapon. It's, it's how God defended himself against Satan and his temptations in the wilderness, how Jesus uh, defended himself. Uh, Satan came at him, uh, tempting him, and he every time uh, uh, knew the Scripture and combated what, uh, what the devil brought up uh, with, uh, and confronted him with the truths of, of Scripture. As you remain connected to God in prayer and you spend daily time in the truths of the Bible... You're, you're defending yourself against the devil and his schemes. But you're not just, again, you're not just on defense hoping that this is enough to hold. You're actually taking ground uh, against the enemy. The word of God not only defends but also attacks. That, that verse in James 4 really gives us the formula, right? It says, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee. But you have to resist. I think a lot of times we maybe just, okay, well, I can, I guess this, I guess I'm going to give in again this time. No, we have to resist. We, we don't give in to the devil and his schemes. And it's, it's not that we're just bound to, to give in all the time, so we might as well just give up. No, we are on the winning side. Uh, we need to know what, uh, who he is and what he's doing and then resist him as we submit our lives to him. This isn't just the stuff of movies and comic books. Spiritual things are, are more real than physical things, right? What happens in the spiritual realm affects things in our physical lives. And so when things in our physical lives go haywire, I'm sure it never happens in your life. Things don't go haywire. When things in our physical lives go haywire, the answer isn't necessarily just to fix the thing in the physical life, right? But we fight our battles in different ways. And we, we, uh, we pray and we prepare ourselves and we resist what might be coming at us. Letting God fight the battles with us and for us. What happens in the spiritual realm affects things in our physical lives. So prepare, resist the devil and his schemes. If, if you're following Jesus, you're on the winning side. I, I don't know what you're facing today or what battle has come to mind or battles have come to mind as, uh, as I've been uh, sharing this message today. But ultimately, I think the, uh, the, the message that I want you to hear is you don't have to be afraid because those who are with you, he who is with you is more than those who are coming at you. 